0: children will enjoy the classes you'll enjoy as adults the second London beginning in September we're going to be adding some classes Uh, the second London is only for the month of August There will be a women's class uh, thinking through gentle and lowly there'll be a smaller men's class we do not have a lot of space and so it'll be limited to the first eight or ten that sign up for that and so that'll be taking place upstairs, and it'll be a class in the auditorium working through uh, some of the disciplines of faith, the ordinary means of grace that's important for us in growing our walk with the Lord. So we have a lot of good things planned, so let me encourage you to be thinking about training hour and kind of making your plans to be a part of that. The Women's Exodus Bible Study begins in September. Please note that, how to make contact with uh, Ginger, uh, signing up on our Facebook page, or women's page. Church membership, if you are interested in being a part of our church family, please let me know. We'll be scheduling some uh, meetings coming up uh, sometime during the fall. We'll set up a time schedule that will be good for the folks, so make sure you do that. We also have received several copies of the book, Gentle and Lowly. Uh, They were given to us free of charge. We're very thankful for that. They are in the back. Make sure you pick up a copy if you would like one. It's a paperback copy. We didn't know how good the quality would be, but they're actually very good quality. So we're very thankful for those. So please avail yourselves to those. Uh, You're more than welcome to have one of them. We have several uh, in our uh, possession. All right, let's kind of shift gears here a little bit, kind of look into our heart and set our mind and our heart upon the things of the Lord asking God to be of help to us as you are preparing your heart I would also encourage you to lift up one of our members Brenda Green I just heard of this this morning she's in the hospital uh, dealing with some pretty severe infection and she simply has uh, asked our church family to pray for her we'll be getting out a little more detailed uh, information on that later but make sure you take a moment and pray for Brenda as you prepare your heart to worship our great God. Thank mm-hmm. you. Psalm 20 through 134 is often referred to as a song of a sense. It was songs that the pilgrims would sing as they made their way to Jerusalem. Uh, tremendous truth in Psalm 121. Many of you, I know, uh, this is a very personal psalm to you, so you listen as I read. I lift up my eyes to the hill. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth.
1: the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came right there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill
0: song, Rich, Rich Truth. As we were singing that song, it just reminds me of how very important it is to understand the truth and the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not to know something that is so shallow and so broad that it has no depth because the gospel has so many tentacles of truth that impact our hope and our life. One of the reasons why we go through the catechisms is to help us understand the nature and the truth of the gospel. Question 52. How does Christ return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? In all distress and persecution... of that salvation for all eternity Father I pray that we as a people would learn these truths that we would embrace them fully that they would help us to live life in a way that honors and pleases you I pray Lord that you would make us diligent in our understanding of truth pursuit of truth and Lord that that truth would set us free oh God how we thank you for these wonderful things I ask, Lord, that you would continue to help us as we sing today, that the words of the songs would be an expression of our hearts toward you, an expression of the truth that we embrace, an expression of the worship that we send and give unto you. And, Father, might our worship be in spirit and in truth. Might our worship honor and please and cause your heart to rejoice this day. In Christ's name.
2: Please stand.
0: When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet.
3: Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him.
2: A reading from Peter's first epistle. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded,
1: Please stand. This morning as a worship team we're going to introduce a song to you. We're going to sing the first verse. We invite you to join us on the second verse and chorus.
3: Don't drop the singing.
1: on toward the the blessed blessed. shore.
4: Keith and worship team, thank you for engaging in a new song for us. I love that song because what we need to hear week in, week out as believers and sojourners and pilgrims in this weary land is we are almost home. Take your copy of the Holy Scriptures and open with me to Acts chapter 1. Today we begin a new journey in the history and life of Randolph Street, and that is a study through the book of Acts. This Sunday and next Sunday is introduction only. So we are going to dig deep into kind of the background and fill out this particular uh, book so that as we step into it, it will be helpful and encouraging to our hearts. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read really the first major section of this particular book, verses 1 through 11. So hear with me now the word of the Lord. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so begins our study of the book of Acts. And that is the word of the Lord for us today. Let us pray together. Well, Father, as we begin this journey together as a church, through this inspired history of the early church let us as your people come to this word with a seriousness with an earnestness in our hearts and souls believing this is indeed your word it is given by you through your spirit for our good and your glory and so let us step into this study with that kind of perspective that kind of heart looking to receive what you would have for us, that we might be a church here that lives for the praise of your glory in our city, in our region, and to the nations. Father, I would pray this morning, if there are unbelievers present here among us or joining us online today, that even in something as maybe mundane as an introduction to a book of the Bible, the Lord's table, that they would see and hear the gospel being proclaimed. And on this Lord's day, they would turn from their sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Father, that will only happen by your grace. That's why we pray to you today. Move in our hearts, strengthen us, conform us more into the image of Christ. We ask that for the good of your church and for the glory of you our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. i'll get a shout like that after my sermon i mean all right thank you sean and amelia for serving our church so faithfully they will soon welcome a third little little one into their home Uh, we are thankful for them and praying for amelia as she walks through these days well with your bibles open to acts Chapter One, we will be moving through various portions of this book, uh, not only today, but likewise next Lord's Day. Uh, Let me just express to you my gratitude for how you engaged uh, through our summer series. I was so, I really didn't know how that was going to sit on us thinking about the gospel for, I think we did five weeks of just gospel preaching. We went to five kind of crucial gospel texts, which was so helpful to my soul in the midst of all the chaos in this world just to come back to that gospel over and over and over and over again through the early summer months and then turning our attention kind of part 2 of that series which was the sacraments our response to the gospel and some several of you have come to us and just noted how informative that was and challenged you and I think for the church as a whole I think it was good for us to walk into a season to more deeply consider the sacraments. We're wrestling through this now as, as leadership, and just thinking better how we can serve our church in the sacraments. Um, we have an elders and deacons meeting right after our gathering today. We're gonna, that's going to be one of the subjects of that particular meeting, and that, that we believe this is central to the life and health of our church. And so, I, I appreciate and and grateful for how you wrestled through those texts with us. There were some difficult passages and you just stayed right with us and wrestled and and enjoyed that time and we're grateful for that. Well today we began a new series. These are always big days for me as a pastor here at Randolph Street for Tim as we walk into a new series. This summer has been textual but some topical exposition. The the primary dot here at Randolph Street from our pulpit is what we call consecutive exposition where we kind of stick our nose in a book and we stay there until we're done with it with some interruptions but we believe consecutive exposition is the most helpful and primary effort we should engage in here because that's how the Bible was written and uh, we are praying that the book of Acts will be um, a a, a good, healthy season for our church as we walk through this lengthy book. I've never preached through Acts, so this is new to me. Tim's probably been through it four or five times by now uh, in his ministry, but I've I've never preached through this book. So it's going to be an enjoyable series for me to kind of navigate and learn as I'm working through this book. I'm not going to give you an outline today. I'm going to throw some verses up on the sides. I'm not going to give you an outline because the outline will be um, obvious, I think, as we're working through the sermon today, there's, there's a lot to this, as is typical in our sermon. I didn't know not giving an outline would upset you that much. Next time I'll give an outline, okay? Uh, man, I, I didn't know you liked the outlines that much. So, but I'm still not giving you one today, okay? You're just going to have to track with me as I work through this. The goal is to kind of set the stage, today next sunday tim's going to take a little different approach and he's going to run through all of acts for us again it's a big book it's longer than most new testament books we feel it's important to kind of set the, the table well as we step into this particular history of the early church the acts of the apostles as it's been traditionally called and, and to make sure we have a good understanding before we walk into this, so as it unfolds, maybe some of this sermon and next week's sermon will just keep coming to your mind. That's, that's kind of the goal today and next week. I, I recognize that introductions to books can maybe be a little tedious, and you would not say this, but boring, all right, uh, as we work through this. But I, I hope that it will kind of bring life to this as we step into the study in the next coming months. So let's ask some questions to begin our morning. What's what's the book of Acts about? If you had to think about the book of Acts, this is a really important statement. I have worked on this statement all last week and this week, thinking this through. What is the book of Acts about? If you could kind of step out of the book for a second, look at it all, and say, okay, what's this about? What's our answer to that question? Don't answer that out loud, but maybe think that through for just a brief moment. What is the book of Acts about? Your moment's up. Here's my answer. All right here it is. Jesus, you heard this in the introduction. I'm expanding it out a little bit. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And now, this risen, ascended Christ builds his church. This is what Jesus said. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The book of Acts is this. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now he builds his church, By sending his spirit to equip and gift the church to spread the gospel to the nations. I'm gonna repeat that. This is what the book of Acts is all about. This is what's exciting. When you dive into this particular study, that's why the book of Acts should, should capture our souls as we're moving through this. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now he builds his church by sending his spirit to equip and gift the church. To spread the gospel to the nations. That's what this author's doing. So he's going to trace that for us now. If you read any commentaries, you listen to sermon series through Acts, you'll hear people wrestling. It is the Acts of the Apostles, mainly Peter and Paul. We're going to to talk about that in a moment. But, But really behind all of it is the Acts of Jesus. He is now sent it to the right hand of the Father, and what's going to unfold in the book of Acts is exactly what he promised his disciples. He's going to build his church, he's going to do so by sending his spirit, equipping and gifting his people, and now they're going to take that message of the kingdom not only to Jerusalem, but all of Judea and Samaria and ultimately to the ends of the earth. That is the overall flavor of the book of Acts, and the author is now going to trace the fulfillment of that mission of Jesus from Jerusalem and it's going to close out to the ends of the earth which Rome is going to represent. Because that's, that's where it ends. It ends in Rome with Paul in prison and a glorious statement of his proclamation of the gospel. So this is what the author is going to trace. The movement of the gospel r- rooted in Jerusalem and beginning to ripple out and spread into a variety of regions. What's encouraging to us as readers in the church, is seeing this play out before us. And what we learn as we step into this book is that nothing stops the mission of Christ. Nothing. This ascended Christ is authoritative and supreme over all things. He sends his spirit, and the spirit begins to work in the church and move the gospel into the nations. So persecution is going to arise, opposition, weakness from within. There's going to be geographical barriers. There's going to be racial tension. There's going to be poverty and sickness, and yet the mission of Christ is unstoppable. That's what we learn. Which is good for us because that's true for us today too. All of those things I just read off to you persecution and opposition and sickness and weakness and geography geographical boundaries and racial tensions and cultural problems and poverty and sickness in the midst of all of that christ is doing his work and nothing will stop his mission that's what we see in the book of acts and that should encourage us by the time you get through the early chapters of acts there are thousands upon thousands of converts to christ I mean, it's just like a drop in the bucket right here in the early portion of Acts if you take time. And I would challenge you this week to take time and read through the book of Acts or listen through the book of Acts. Just capture all of it if you can at one time if you can set aside that kind of time. And what you're going to see is this mission of Christ, as it it drops into this world through the work of the Spirit, it is going to ripple out from Jerusalem, and there are going to be thousands of men and women and children come to faith in Christ from the very outset of this mission work. And it's just going to keep rolling and keep moving and keep moving. And guess what? Jesus said to them, you saw it in verse number 8 if your eyes linger back down to it you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Guess what? That is true because you're sitting here this morning. You're the ends of the earth. Right? You're the result of this mission that Jesus gave his apostles. You sat here this morning because they were faithful and through the power of the Spirit, they took the gospel out of Jerusalem and out of Judea and out of Samaria, ultimately to the ends of the earth. That's where you fit in now to this picture. So with that kind of promo up front, the the overall theme of the book of Acts, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. He now builds his church through sending his spirit to equip and gift his church to take the gospel ultimately to the nations. That overview. So what are we going to learn now? All right, here are kind of six themes we're going to grab in the book of Acts and we will add to this as we move through the book of Acts. So here's kind of six themes that you're going to see. Number one, We see here the present ministry of Jesus in his church. I'm kind of taking that statement now and I'm going to work out some of the substatements of it. This is what's happening in the book of Acts. It is the present active ministry of Jesus. When he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he did not cease his work. He... Continues his work, and now what the book of Acts is, is the continuation of the ministry of the ascended Christ. I mean, this is what he told his disciples in the Great Commission, right? We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Therefore, to all and make disciples of all nations. Right? There's that idea. We're, we're all nations now. This isn't just Jerusalem. It's not just a Jewish thing. This is all nations, and we're going we're gonna to come back to that in a moment. What do we do? We make disciples, we baptize them, we baptize disciples. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We teach them to observe everything that Jesus commanded. And look what Jesus says right at the end of the Great Commission. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is not absent from us, he is working through us. And this is this is what we're going to see in the book of Acts. As it unfolds, what we see in the book of Acts is the present ministry of Jesus in his church. Number two, we're going to see the work of the Spirit. I don't have a slide for this verse because it was too long and I was too lazy. But listen to what Jesus said to his disciples on that last night in the upper room. Because this is, this is what he said, and we're going to see it fulfilled in Acts. Nevertheless, i tell you the truth. This is John 16, verses 7 through 15. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. All right, so this is, this is capturing Acts now. Jesus is going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. Right? And as he ascends to the right hand of the Father, he's going to send the Spirit. Here, he, he's going to speak of the Spirit as a helper, or previously a comforter. All right, this helper is going to come. Now, what's going to be the ministry of the Spirit? This is, this is what plays out in the book of Acts. Jesus says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And then Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the work of the Spirit. This is what we see with our eyes in the book of Acts. Jesus takes what is, or excuse me, the Spirit takes what is his and he declares it to us. The the, the comforter comes, the helper comes. And when he enters into this world, he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And Jesus says, he will glorify me. This is what's happening. The book of Acts is a continuation of exactly what Jesus said to his disciples in that upper room. He is going to depart from them. He's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. But when he ascends, he's going to send the Spirit. And now, where we live in this time, the Spirit has this unique new covenant and powerful work among his people and among the nations. So the work of Christ, the work of the Spirit. Thirdly, what the book of Acts does is it brings us into the story of redemption this is the beauty of this book the gospel is going to move from Jerusalem with thousands believing in the name of Jesus to Samaria to places like Antioch and into western Asia and ultimately into Europe and what you get as a reader now you've got to see it like this don't open the book of Acts and just treat it like a history book what God is doing in the book of Acts, is he's bringing you a seat to the table and you get to be a first-hand observer of the unfolding of redemptive history in which God begins to draw to himself a people from all nations and you get a front row seat for it in the book of Acts. I mean, God's going to have his people, right? That's what we see in the book of Acts. God is going to have his people, whether it be the thousands of converts on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem or as we move through and see Gentile Roman soldiers converted or converts from northern Africa. God is going to have his people. You as a reader now, you get to pull your seat right up to the table and you get to uh, to watch firsthand redemptive, redemptive history play out before your eyes. See it like that. Just, just watch. And, and next week, especially when Tim takes us back through the book of Acts, God has a people for himself, and they, they, they rise up in the most unexpected places, like little Lydia, first convert in Europe, or the Roman jailer, or individuals from northern Africa. God has a people. and the book of Acts, you get, a, you get a front row seat of watching him now call those people out of the nations to himself. Number four, we're going to see the formation of the new covenant community in the book of Acts. I don't need to go back, but the new covenant is not the old covenant. We, we spent a lot of time talking about that in Hebrews chapter 8 recently in our sacrament series. But now what we're going to see is God began to bring in In a pointed manner, in a prolific manner, Gentiles into his people. And really, this isn't new in the sense of what Jesus had promised. This slide here, John chapter 10, verse number 16. This is what Jesus said in that lengthy narrative uh, about the sheep and the sheepfold. And Jesus' illustration, he said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. In that particular verse, I think Jesus is talking about Gentiles, And here Jesus says, listen, I have other sheep outside of Israel, outside of the Jewish nation. I have other sheep, and Jesus says, I must bring them also. And listen to this sovereign word. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The book of Acts begins to unpack that for us as we watch God now open the door and Gentiles begin flooding in at the preaching of the gospel. In the book of Acts, we see the formation of this new covenant community. When I talked about racial tensions a moment ago, that's what's happening in much of the book of Acts, Jew and Gentile. There's all kinds of problems that are going to rise up in that regarding, relating to that particular issue in the book of Acts. There's almost a whole chapter devoted to that issue in the book of Acts. Number five. I've got to throw this one in just in light of our previous sermon series. We will watch the signs of the covenant, baptism, and the Lord's table become a central feature of the local church. Watch it kind of play out now. We did the preaching. I was going to do a sermon in the book of Acts on the sacraments, and I decided not to, and I'm glad we decided not to, because now we're going to watch it happen. All those things we talked about regarding baptism and the Lord's table, now it's going to be brought into history, and we're going to see it play out in the context of the church. And we're going to be challenged by that. I hope we are. I think we're going to be challenged by the seriousness of the church in regard to the sacraments, How they approached them and and how it became such a central part of their life together. And and hopefully as we walk through that, as we are challenged, we will respond correctly. Number six, last one. We will watch the opposer oppose. So what what happens very early in the book of Acts is opposition. This opposition is not grounded in some earthly authority. This opposition is grounded ultimately in the things of which our eyes cannot see the adversary the devil he walks around like a roaring lion and we see that boy do we ever see that in the book of acts he is present and he is there and he and his demonic cohort they are opposing the advancement of the gospel persecution through the adversary rises up and punches the church in the mouth as soon as the church begins to preach the gospel and that's always been true of the church Sadly, I read a report last night with everything that's happening in Afghanistan, and maybe you've read some of these reports. That was some of the freedoms of recent years. Many have come to faith, and now here they are in these cities, and the Taliban is is pressing in, and they're staying, and they're going to preach Christ, and many of our brothers and sisters will probably soon be with the Lord. Potentially. That opposition and that persecution should not surprise us. It has marked the history of the church. It has marked the history. Now, there's something glorious about the persecution that comes up on the church, and we'll see that in just a moment. So six themes we're going to keep coming back to over and over. Let me add this side of just looking at Acts and themes. There's going to be some challenges in the book of Acts. I mean, there's there's some odd things happening. All right? I mean, this is... I'm going to put my cards on the table here real quick. This book of Acts characterizes a unique period of history that is unrepeatable. This apostolic era. There's my cards on the table for you who are involved in that kind of thinking. You'll you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. But man, there's a lot of oddities in the book of Acts. I mean, just the work of the Spirit. We're going to have—I'll make sure Tim gets all of those sermons, right? The handkerchief, the handkerchief sermon, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's Tim's sermon, okay? There's a lot of oddities, and we've got to wrestle through this. Dead are being raised. People are being healed. Tongues. Various gifts of the Spirit. What I I like about the book of Acts for us is it's going to set the tone for all of that, that other epistles might pick up on later, mainly 1 Corinthians, a little bit of Romans— but, it, but, but this is going to set the, kind of the ground for us as we think about the work of the Spirit. And we've got to ask questions. Is this normative? Or is this unique to a particular historical period? And that's going to be what we're wrestling through as we move through this particular book. Acts is history. It's exciting history. Right? As we step into this particular book, it, just know it's not exhaustive. Acts doesn't capture everything that happens. It chronicles a history of about 30 years, from the ascension of Jesus to Paul being imprisoned in Rome, 60 to 62-ish. So Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. The church has debated this particular date for many years. 30 or 33 is typically the date assigned to the death, burial, resurrection, and ultimately the ascension of Jesus. Three decades is what Acts is going to capture, and it's going to be very selective in what it's going to capture. It's going to have all kinds of sermons. It's just filled with sermons or moments of declaration that we're going to read as we work through this particular letter. These sermons preached by men like Peter and Paul, Stephen, Philip, and others, we're going to see rich theology. Maybe this is a part of Acts that we often neglect, the sermons. The sermons. But we're going to step into lengthy expositions. We have a men's prayer group, and a couple of weeks ago, they read Acts chapter 7 out loud. And I think there were just a few of us there that morning and just swept up into the Stephen's sermon. I mean, this beautiful exposition of redemptive history. Stephen boldly stands before these Jewish leaders and proclaims that truth. But I'm telling you, it is rich theology for us. We're in for a treat when we step into some of those sermons the author here is primarily going to capture two individuals he's going to capture peter and the early ministry of peter and then peter's going to fade away and he's going to step in and capture paul and and the major section of paul's ministry the other apostles they're very rarely mentioned that's the uniqueness of this the church has historically called this the acts of the apostles and really the two individuals that rise up in prominence are going to be peter and Paul and we're going to see God's work in and through them here's another oddity of the book of Acts it was written by a doctor to an individual I mean it's just just an oddity right Luke is the writer. Early church history affirms this. There's little debate to this reality. Luke is the writer of this book, and Paul's going to say in Colossians chapter 4 that Luke is the beloved physician. So Paul's going to capture us who this man is. He's, he's a doctor. Some suggest Luke is a Gentile. Th- that is really unknown. More than likely, that is what he is. Probably an early convert to this Jewish faith and was uh, familiar with the Old Testament. He was probably one of those god fears that we see of, out of Gentile people. He understood the truth of God, especially the Old Testament, but now he's been brought into the faith of Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. What we do know about Luke is he becomes an essential partner to Paul in ministry. Paul's going to speak of Luke in two different places. Philemon, verse 24, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, He brings Luke to the reader's attention because Luke now has become just this crucial part of Paul's ministry team as he takes the gospel to Europe and ultimately to the nations. Now, what you need to know about Luke is he's not absent from the story. Luke is a part of the story. So beginning in chapter 16, especially and in many following narratives, you're going to see a change and it's going to be we all right, so the author now is in the story. So when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, Luke writes, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. So Luke is an eyewitness. He's right in the midst of this. He's not absent from the story. Luke is observing these things as eyewitness testimony, and he records this work for us. He writes it to an individual named Theophilus. Theophilus, we don't know much about. Maybe he funded Luke's work so that he could capture all of this. But whatever role Theophilus plays, Luke found it important to capture for him the life and ministry of Jesus and the early history of the church. He writes a two-volume work. I have up before you Luke chapter one. This is what he says to Theophilus. Inasmuch as, as I have... As many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This isn't just history to record history. Luke has a purpose. Whoever this Theophilus man is... Luke records this two-volume work for him, the work of the life and ministry of Jesus, and he does so so that Theophilus can have assurance that the things been, he has been taught, they indeed are true. So this is, this is a historical narrative that Luke is going to capture for Theophilus, but he's doing so, that, so so that Theophilus can have assurance that what he's heard about Jesus is indeed true. So Luke will write the Gospel of Luke. If you look down at your Bibles, in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So here's volume 2 now. Luke is going to produce for Theophilus, for the foundation of his faith, an account of the life and ministry of Jesus, and now the spread of the gospel. Acts is a unique book in that sense. A doctor engages in a historical narrative with a distinct purpose to ground Theophilus in his faith. That's part of my prayer for us. We've never preached through Luke here. We have preached through John. We've preached through Mark. And now we step into kind of part two of the ministry of Jesus as he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. But what I pray happens out of the book of Acts for us is that our foundation the foundation of our faith is strengthened as we set our eyes upon the work of God through his Son and through the Spirit. Luke was written, or excuse me, Acts was written around 60 to 62 AD. As I've said a few moments ago and I'll cover again in just a couple of minutes, Acts ends kind of odd. Paul is imprisoned. He's in Rome. It's between the years 60 and 62. And he brings the book to a conclusion there. Paul in prison in Rome. So as I said before, Acts is going to cover a period of about 30 years, three decades of the ministry of the church through the power of the Spirit. It's going to begin 40 days after the the resurrection, or excuse me, the ascension of Jesus. And it's going to move us all the way through to AD 62 or so. Jesus' death and resurrection are ground zero. Out of that now, 30 years of testimony of the church. Okay, two more sides of the introduction this morning. Here's our outline for the book of Acts that we will be tracing for the next few months. Chapters one through chapter two, we're going to see this kind of foundational moment where Jesus is preparing his church, his apostles, for this apostolic ministry that will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter one and two, you're going to see the ascension we're going to see the replacement of Judas, which is interesting because they give so much. It's kind of the church, first church business meeting that takes place in Acts chapter 1. And, and that moment happens. Then you just don't hear a lot about those particular apostles as you move forward. We're going to, We're going to journey through the day of Pentecost. We're going to see this miraculous moment of the Holy Spirit fulfilling Joel. Chapter 2, we're gonna hear a phenomenal sermon from Peter on the day of Pentecost. We're gonna see the, the formation of the church and and thousands come to Christ in these first early chapters. Listen, if this were a movie, it begins on a high note. Okay? I mean it begins on a really high note. This moment of Jesus kind of passing the baton as, as he ascends to the right hand of the Father. They work through the Spirit, and the success of the gospel is absolutely astounding in these early chapters of the book of acts acts chapter 3 through acts chapter 5 we're going to see the apostolic witness in jerusalem peter and john are the two leaders that kind of stand out in these early chapters miracles are going to be prominent and persecution is now going to come back to acts chapter 5 verses 41 through 42 Speaking of Peter and John, when they left the presence of the council, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for, notice this, the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ that the Christ is Jesus. So suffering now is entered into the narrative. Persecution, opposition is present. But notice what the church does. Here's our lessons. The church steps into these moments, and what do they do? They just keep preaching Christ. And this is what they do. This is where I think, I think we will look at this narrative and we're going to be strengthened and encouraged as a church. Acts chapter 6 and following, the gospel begins to move outside of Jerusalem now. And this is really due to persecution. I mentioned this a few moments ago. Acts chapter 8, verse number 1. There arose on that day great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So what did God do? As as persecution comes, he uses that persecution now to spread his church out. Remember, you're going to be witnesses of me, not only in Jerusalem, but in all of Judea and Samaria, ultimately to the ends of the earth. And now what does that persecution do? It begins to advance the gospel. So in chapter 6 through chapter 12, we will see that gospel advanced. We're going to see Stephen preach an amazing sermon. And he will die. We will see Philip preach an amazing sermon, incredible gospel ministry. We're gonna see a Pharisee by the name of Saul be converted miraculously to Christ. Chapter 10, we're gonna see the gospel begin to take root and advance toward the Gentiles. Chapter 11, a significant church is gonna be born, and that's the church of Antioch. In Chapter 12, what we learn is persecution just does not end for the church. The gospel is gonna now spread outside of Jerusalem. Chapters 12 all the way to the end of the book, and I just noted it to the ends of the earth. And and really, I think it's the NIV study Bible, I think, that I've ripped primarily this little four-point outline from with some changes of words. I think it's the NIV study Bible. The gospel will now move to the ends of the earth. It's going to happen primarily through three missionary journeys. Chapter 12 through 14 is going to capture the first, the Antioch church is going to send out Paul and Barnabas. They will fast and lay hands on them. They will pray and they will send them out. And now the church embraces the vision of Christ and the gospel begins to spread toward the ends of the earth. Chapter 15 through 18 is going to capture a second missionary journey. And then just for sake of time, chapters 18 through 21 are going to capture a third mission missionary journey. At the end of that third missionary journey, Paul is going to return to Jerusalem. You remember Acts chapter 20 and that farewell with the Ephesian elders? They were convinced that this is the last time they would see Paul. Paul was convinced it was the last time he would see them. He knew when he returned to Jerusalem that persecution was going to come, and he was exactly right. Paul would be arrested, and the last major section of Acts is the arrest of Paul in Jerusalem, his transfer to Caesarea, and ultimately his movement all the way to Rome. Now, all of that, take your Bibles and turn to Acts 28, all the way to the end. Luke ends the story with Paul imprisoned in Rome. And before I read these verses, let me ruin the story for you a little bit. More than likely, Paul will be released from this imprisonment. That's probably what we studied in Philippians chapter 1, if you remember. Paul will be released from this imprisonment. What outside history records for us is at some some point, probably between the next five to six years, Paul will travel to Spain, and it is there he will preach the gospel. Ultimately, he will be re-arrested and executed around AD 68. So that kind of ruined the end of this. But... In AD 62, Paul is sitting in prison in Rome with, with Philippians in mind, since we just preached through that. With Philippians in your mind, listen to these last two verses. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance what a conclusion to this book, right? The book that starts with the Spirit empowering the church to take the gospel ultimately to the ends of the earth and it ends here now with Paul imprisoned for the gospel regulated to Rome kind of the ends of the earth at that moment and what is he doing? He's proclaiming the kingdom. He's doing exactly what Christ had called him him to. He is preaching the gospel, and he's preaching it boldly, and by the kind work of God, he does so without hindrance. In other words, the story that began in Acts chapter 1 and 2 continues all the way through the end of Acts 28. The gospel continues its march. And you get to sit there as a reader, and you watch. So to end our morning before the Lord's table, here's my four prayers for Randolph Street as we step into this particular book. We typically set these kinds of things before you anytime we start a book of the Bible. Here's how we're praying this book will affect us. Number one, I'm praying for confidence for us that we will see and rest in God's invisible hand as he moves all things for his glory and our good. If you, if, you, if you see anything in the book of Acts, that's what you're going to see. The invisible hand of God moving all things toward his purpose and ultimately for the good of the church. Listen, here at Randolph Street, we love a high view of God, what's classically called Reformed theology. We, we love this big theology of God. Listen, what's what's behind Acts and threaded throughout all of these narratives is this invisible hand of God accomplishing all of his purposes. He never loses control. He's always at work, and he's bringing all things to his glorious end. So I hope it builds in us as a church, especially the day we live in a confidence in God and what he is doing. Number two, I hope what's pressed into our hearts is a renewed sense of our responsibility as a church. We have a main responsibility, and that's the proclamation of the gospel. We exist for Christ and for his gospel. And we cannot get distracted from that mission. We exist to spread the name of Jesus here and abroad throughout Appalachia, here on the west side of Charleston, to the nations. That is a primary reason, the primary reason, for our existence together as a church. And we we have to have that renewed in us continually because, man, our flesh pulls against it. But we're going to see that through the book of Acts. Our purpose is Christ and the proclamation of his gospel here and abroad. It's through our efforts, through our sacrifice, through our giving, through our gifts, we engage in this glorious mission of Jesus here and to the nations. Randolph Street, this is a primary reason we exist. We cannot miss that. We not lose it. We need to stir that flame a little bit in our hearts, understanding there is a lost world out there, and in Christ, there is life, and we proclaim that. And we preach that. And it's not just from this pulpit. It's us in our neighborhoods and in our lives. It's us in our little groups and Boy Scouts and Little League Baseball and soccer and whatever else you're involved in. This is our mission. Number three, I hope there's a renewed sense of dependence in our hearts upon the work of the Spirit. The one thing you can't miss when you step into the book of Acts book of acts is the church advances the gospel but they do so because of the work of the spirit in and through them listen this isn't our wisdom or our creativity that can accomplish the mission of christ it is through the power of god's spirit in us I mean, it's exactly what Jesus says to his disciples all the way back in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. I mean, this is, this is what they're to remember as the gospel begins to spread. This is what they're to remember when they're in prison in Rome or Caesarea. They're to remember this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what, do we, what happens now is we are witnesses because of the power of the Spirit now living in us. So as a church, we just rem- we got to remember that and embrace that reality. We are a dependent people. If we're going to have an effective gospel witness here in Charleston, on the west side of Charleston, and in Appalachia, which is some of the darker places of our country, if we're going to have an effective gospel witness, it is going to come by the work and power of the Spirit through us. We have to believe that. Embrace that. And lastly, courage. I was so moved in reading that report about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. I mean, they said, we're just gonna stay. They're not running. They're just gonna stay and they're gonna, they're gonna preach the gospel. A seen in Revelation when the martyrs gather before the throne of Jesus and they'll say to him, how long, O oh Lord? I would imagine right now with what's happening in Afghanistan, they're gathered around the throne of Jesus and they're pleading, how long, oh Lord, how long? When you read the book of Acts, you see faithful men and faithful women giving their lives for the sake of the gospel and suffering and persevering. You've heard the phrase, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Oh boy, boy do we ever faithful men and women those of whom the world are not worthy they believe the gospel they minister the gospel they suffered for the gospel and they persevered for the gospel i hope what is born out of this and a study for the next couple of years for us is a courage spirit wrought courage to say we're going to step into this dark world and we are going to preach christ amen may god do that in us elders would you come deacons would you prepare to dismiss our folks this is the best way to begin the book of acts by coming to these tables this morning and being reminded Of this truth that is central to our faith. And as we are brought to this cup and this bread, taking a moment as a church and fellowshipping and commuting with this risen Christ. The church, for 2,000 years, has done this. We join them. We join them because Christ is central to us and our faith. And we join them in order to declare the gospel. If you're not a believer here this morning, these tables are not for you. But we encourage you to sit and listen, observe, hear, see. You're going to hear the gospel proclaimed. You're going to see the gospel proclaimed as we take the cup and the bread. These, these do not save us, but they point us to the one who does save us, namely Christ. Suffering, the shedding of his blood. If you're a believer in Christ... We invite you to come to these tables. When you come, you're going to hear our elders say to you, this is his body for you. This is his blood shed for you. Those words, let them settle into your hearts. Let them cause your soul to rejoice and commune with your Savior this morning. Let us pray together. Father, now as we turn our attention to these tables what a proper way to begin our journey into the book of acts as we settle our souls and settle our faith onto that truth that is of first importance as paul said namely the death burial and resurrection of jesus let these elements, O oh God, preach to our souls this morning the sufferings of Christ. Let us remember that it is for us. He went to that cross and endured your wrath. Oh, let there be rich communion happen this morning from your people to your right hand where Jesus now sits. Let there be rich communion as we reflect and think upon this gospel truth. Father, thank you for this, Tom. Bless your people now. Oh God, bless your people as they come and have their faith nourished at these tables. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Deacons, you can begin dismissing.
0: Mr. Jason alluded to this and preparing our hearts for the table, but I would like to just emphasize it because it was so impressed upon my heart in listening to the message today. You think about 2,000 years of history, what God has done, the persecution that has come to the church, so many things as he brought forth, and we will see over the next months as we study through the book of Acts. And you have to ask yourself the question, What is that which continually causes the church to move forward? We certainly know it is the work of God. It is that work that God has given to us and giving us life. But you think about the centrality of the sacraments, baptism, an initial act that signifies our unity. so he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Our brothers and sisters, from the beginning in the book of Acts, as we'll see this set forth, been doing what we are doing, and they do this with the great hope, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, our hearts have been moved today when we think of our history, Lord, as we think of the power of the Spirit of God to bring these things about, when we think about Jesus Christ interceding for us oh father we rejoice in that we rejoice in the faith of brothers and sisters in christ through these many centuries who have been faithful faithful to you faithful to utilize the truth of the gospel that is used to call men and women boys and girls to christ oh father might we be deeply encouraged as we engage in this study As our people read through this book in preparation for receiving it, O Lord, use it mightily for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen.
4: Team for leading us this morning. As we think of the truth today, as we think about the table today, I trust our hearts have been strengthened and encouraged. I pray that as we hear God's word, our faith is grounded and that we go forth from here embracing the mission that Christ has called us to at Randolph Street. For our benediction this morning, hear this most familiar text the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and may god give you peace amen
1: praise god